your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützler, and you're listening to the Locked Welcome on inside Senators episode podcast. 235 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, the Ottawa Senators begin a seven-game, two-week road trip. And, well, how are you going to stay up for this one, especially the way that the last game unfolded? Hoping for a big effort, and there might be reinforcements. We'll get Pilsy's take on some potential lineup changes. And it's Saturday, so you know we have our favorite segment of the week. It's Send Central Citizen. And today... It's Bilal. We've got at Kadri Sends on the show and a whole lot of talk. Maybe even some surrounding a certain Pierre-Luc Dubois. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Saturday, January 23rd in Pilsy. In honor of the late, great Larry King, I'm going to start this off with a clear and concise question. What do the Senators have to do to get back in the win column tonight? Well, they're going to have to play dirty. They're going to have to play a style of game that no one else can really match with them. And that's, they've been doing it really well, I thought so far, is throwing the body around. They've been out hitting their opponents, I think, every single game. They've been blocking shots. I want to see more traffic in front of the net. Like, we're not going to beat a Vesna winning goalie with those clean, uh, no traffic wrist shots from the blue line like they tried last game. You got to get closer. You got to get dirty. They're going to have to fight for these loose pucks and. Maybe there's going to be some switches to the lineup that will help them move the puck a little bit better here. How could the game plan change from home and away? And we know fans aren't an issue, and usually Winnipeg, the the barn is rocking at the MTS Center. But despite being able to see the white unis for the first time in game action, how is, the, how is things going to change not having the last change against such a team that's as deep as Winnipeg? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing there is the line changes, especially when you're looking at trying to match that top six properly. Like, I'm pretty confident in saying DJ Smith does not want Cedric Paquette, Colin White, and Austin Watson out there up against Mark Shifley, uh, Kyle Connor, and Blake Wheeler, or whoever is uh, on the wings. Like, that's a tough matchup to make. So it's going to be hard for him to make sure he's got the proper lineups up there. And another thing is the face-off. The Sens already haven't been very good in face-offs there's been some nights where they've been okay but they haven't dominated so now they're at a disadvantage from the face-off dot as well okay so breaking news breaking moves we were going to get to this later but now it's official so we're going to react to it as it comes darren dreger tweeting out a trade call is being set up right now between the columbus blue jackets and tonight's opponent the winnipeg jets a trade that will send patrick line and jack roslevic to columbus in exchange Pierre-Luc Dubois a draft pick to the Jets may also be included we'll get the take on the trade as well Pills but how could that affect the Jets psyche going into tonight's game as well that is a major shakeup. yeah wow okay so we, we we knew this was happening but we were just waiting for it to happen luckily 
with, well, I mean, they probably wouldn't have made it in time for the game anyways, but with quarantine and stuff like that, Pierre-Luc Dubois will not be in tonight's game up against the Jets. I think it's not going to affect their psyche too much because you're looking at two players, Patrick Laine and Jack Rosovic, obviously massive difference makers, both of them in their own rights for this team, but neither of them were on the roster, right? Like, it's not like the Jets have been used to having those guys on the roster the last four games, and now they're like, okay, we got to scramble to try to change our lines and uh, fix this. So that's at least a positive. The funny thing about all this, Ross, and I can't get over it, how poorly of a relationship is it going to be between John Tortorella and Patrick Lining? Like, we thought Ryan Dezingle and John Tortorella were a bad match. I don't, I don't see Patrick Lining getting along with John Tortorella at all. I have no idea how that's going to work. From a Winnipeg perspective, however, I mean more so the guys who are playing down the middle. Like, they just brought back Stastny this offseason. So he's now fighting for extra ice. We know Shifley is their number one center, and Dubois doesn't change that. But everyone below Shifley is now looking over their shoulders saying, hey, when Dubois gets here, is he taking my job? Is he going to play the wing? Probably not. So you're, you're looking down the middle at, at those spots, and I think that that might create a more motivated bunch of centermen in Winnipeg, if nothing else. But that is a huge move. And does this not tell you that Kevin Shovel Dayoff thinks that this team has the makings of not only top four, but maybe even Stanley Cup aspirations. Like you just went out and got the number one trade chip and you gave up a player who already asked out. And that's not even, I guess we could get into how funny it is that Patrick Laine wanted out of Winnipeg because he didn't like it there. And Dubois wanted out of Columbus because <laughs> he didn't like it there. And they both basically went to Canadian, Ohio, and American Manitoba. Two of the worst markets, let's be honest. I mean, that's fair to say. I mean, my girlfriend's from Manitoba. I can't say that too loud or she might wake up and smack me. But, hey, it, it is poetic justice, I think, in a way. And you do not think for a second that Yarmo Kekalainen was going to send Dubois to Montreal exactly where he wanted to be. No chance. There has to be a little bit of resentment there for the way it all played out. If Kekalainen sent Dubois to Montreal, John Tortorella is going out on the tarmac and slashing the plane's tires or uh, leaking the gas tank or something. John Tortorella is not letting that happen, that's for sure. And you said uh, the Jets are making a move to try to be a true contender. I don't, this almost seems like a sideways move though. No, you're letting go of a number two overall, a 30 plus goal scorer, plus another really good player in Jack Roslevic. It's not like they're trading, um, you know, down assets or anything like that to get a big boost here. I think it's more of a sideways move than people might think here. So that's going to be interesting. And as far as the Winnipeg Jets players looking over their shoulders, I think Paul uh, Paul Stastny at this point is better off as a third-line center anyways. I think it was a bit of a reach for them to try to get him back as their 2C. So, man, having Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois as your 1-2 and centermen is absolutely filthy. And then they have Josh Morrissey as your number one defenseman, and you have one of the best goalies in the league. So... Winnipeg set up pretty good. We're going to see how that affects their psyche heading into tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators. Since we did the Dubois chat now, and when we brought up this conversation, it was one minute ago that Dreger tweeted that out. So the call still to be had. However, as Pilsy mentioned, Line out with an upper body injury. He has not played since the first game of the season, where, by the way, he had two goals, including the game winner in overtime. And Jack Roslevic, who is a Columbus native, by the way, but has been holding out of his contract. So he's been actually skating in Ohio. So he won't have to go long or even quarantine long as long as a contract can get done, which you assume 
would be no issue there. But, man, the Jets looking to add, or should I say, propel themselves up the North Division standings. They're going to have to get past your Ottawa Senators first. But before we get to our locked-on players to watch tonight and some more lineup notes, let's tell you about our friends at Bet Online. I was just scouring the Bet Online site, and there's a few plays that I like tonight. I might have a levy lock here coming up after our Pilsy's parlay of the day, which we're going to get to later on because Pilsy really needs to get focused because he picked the Dallas Stars last night to lose. And they didn't lose. Not only did they not lose, they won 7 nothing. I don't know if that's good. Pilsy might have to argue that. But what I can tell you with no arguments is that Bet Online is the number one place that has you covered and the one place we trust for our online wagers. It's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Just make sure you use our promo code. It's locked on. That'll get you a 50% Welcome bonus. You put in $100, $50 is just waiting right there in your account. And then if you want to go crazy, put in $200, you will have $100 just waiting there for you. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy. So it's the third straight game against the Winnipeg Jets. Tim Stutzla traveled with the team. I would think he's in the lineup tonight. You got to hope so. But we could see another debut. The Zubinator, Olympic gold medalist. What can we expect from Zub's debut? I'm stoked that we're going to finally get to see Zub. I mean, he's been a bit of uh, in the background here. We kind of forgot about him and he was just off practicing with the extras there. So him getting in the lineup is awesome. From Kyle Bukoskis' tweet, a friend of the show, he's, it looks like he's going to line up with Thomas Shabbat, which I think is really interesting. I've kind of gone back and forth with how I feel about this, though, Ross, because you know we like our yin-yang defensive pairs, and that's Shabbat and Zub definitely is two offensive-minded defensemen. But then I started thinking, where else would you put Zub, right? Like, that left side of the Ottawa decor is basically all – puck movers. You got Shabbat, Riley, Willannon, and then Coburn would be your non-puck mover on that. And then the right side is all the defensive guys. So one of these pairs, you're going to have to have two puck movers. So to get him into his NHL debut with the best defenseman to kind of make up for some of the mistakes he might make, I think is actually the right move. And hey, Zoop was a stud in the KHL. So maybe he can handle the NHL minutes better than some of these guys or better than fans might expect him to. So I'm just excited we finally get to see him in action. And coming off Thomas Shabbat, I'm sure he'd tell you this the same. His worst game of the season, he was not good. The 4-1 loss, it was not a great performance. He used a dash three and just didn't have that same jump that you've come to expect and love from Shabbat's game. So expect a bounce back for him, but he is not my locked-on player. Tonight, I'm locked on Brady Kachuk. People might not know that his dad met Brady's mom in Winnipeg when he was the captain of the Jets. So he's got roots in Manitoba. He's played two games so far there in his career. He's got two assists and a fight against the Jets' current captain, Blake Wheeler. And Remember that fight, too? It was off a hit, and Brady went at Wheeler, but he had the respect to not even drop – or he dropped the gloves, but he didn't throw a punch until Wheeler was ready. And he kind of let Wheeler start teeing off on him, but Brady, obviously being the tough customer that he is, was able to bounce back in the fight. I think it's going to be as chippy of a game as we're going to see all year. And 
Hill. It seems like the boys were preparing for it because after practice, Austin Watson and Erica Branson, a little, you know, sharpening of the skills in that respect. Yeah, it looked like they were doing a little little sparring, sort of. They weren't throwing any punches, but they were definitely getting uh, in position and talking about different strategies of how they're going to do things. And, hey, that must be nice because I feel like most of the time, especially these days with the role of an enforcer and fighting gone way down year after year, there's usually only one fighter on the team. So you're kind of on your own doing your thing. But now you got a couple guys who like to mix in uh, a fisticuff battle here and there. You get a little practice and you get someone to – bounce some ideas off so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fight in this game in fact I'm encouraging it I want to see the like I said at the start of the show the way the Sens are going to beat teams is being dirtier and greasier and more physical get a scrap in there that's what we got these guys for let them show you what you can do and the Winnipeg Jets may be feeling all high and mighty oh we got Pierre-Luc Dubois coming on the way we're we're making that next step to being a contender well how about a punch in the face to bring you back down to reality? I like the sound of that. <laughs> All right. So if you're calling, if there's at least one fight, who's going to drop the gloves on Ottawa? Got to be Austin Watson. And I think I'm saying that for the main reason is I talked about that scrum where Goody was ripping guys off Thomas Shabbat. They pan to the bench and Austin Watson is sitting on the bench just dialed in. You can tell he's just like, coach, tap me. Get, tap me on the shoulder. Let me get in there. And I think he's ready. And he... He had a nice goal. I think it was the first game he had a really good goal. But other than that, he's been a, been a little quiet and even had a couple good chances that he hasn't been able to capitalize on. So I think he's going to try to prove his value in other ways. And we're going to see him, if not start a fight tonight, it's got to be soon. we got to see a scrap soon here. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there's also kind of a, a more cute, less serious fake fight after practice. Josh Norris and Tim Stutzla, uh, TSN getting the video of that, which was kind of fun. But I don't think you want to see Timmy Superstar or Josh Norris dropping the gloves tonight. But hopefully they are raising them after a goal or two. You'd love to see Timmy get back in the lineup and make an immediate impact and he hasn't played against the Jets yet right it was that last game against Toronto where Muzzin gave him that cross check in front of the net and he's been out for the last two games so we'll see what other lineup changes are going to go tonight if Matt Murray will start I'd assume he will and Christian Willannon what's his status uh, DJ Smith said he will play on this trip but we're not sure where however Pilsy we need your locked on player to watch in tonight's game I'm going with Drake Batherson. I've really liked what I've seen from Drake Batherson. And we've seen the confidence that he's had with adding on some weight, adding on some muscle. He's not as afraid to get into these nasty, dirty situations. And he's looked good in every game pretty much so far. In four games, he's averaging four shots a game. He has 16 total shots. I really like how he's looked on the point, on the power play. And I've said it, this power play has looked better and better as uh, the seasons come along here. So I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know if he'll score on the power play, but I think one of his power play shots will set up a goal, whether it's a tip or a rebound. Look for Drake Batherson to have a good game tonight. Yeah, you love to see that. I've been betting on Drake to score three points in each game. Still hasn't hit a bet online, but I believe it soon will. We'll get to Pilsy's Parlay of the Week after this week's Send Central Citizen. So without further ado, let's throw it over to at Kadri Sends. All right, now we're pleased to welcome this week's Send Central Citizen. It's Bilal Gaudi. You follow him on Twitter, at Kadri Sends. First question right off the bat, how bad do you wish Nazem Kadri played for the Sends? Oh, man. I mean, this goes back to the 09 draft. Uh, I was a big Kadri supporter. Uh, being of Canadian-Lebanese descent, uh, there was only three before Kadri joined the league, and 
uh, you know, I'd followed his career with the Kitchener Rangers and then ultimately London Knights. And yeah, uh, pretty devastating when, uh, you know, expecting Ottawa called his name and Brian Burke steps right up and, and sweeps him. So that was uh, pretty unfortunate for sure. Well, did you see, to make matters worse, the video going at, at the draft where Brian Murray and Brian Burke had that conversation where he's like, I want Godry? Yeah, that was, uh, it was pretty surprising after, you know, kind of put salt on the wound for sure. I remember my phone blew up, you know, briefly after that and even more so when that video came out. So, that, yeah, that was uh, quite the experience and pretty happy he's, a, he's an avalanche now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you must be glad to get him out of the division. And, hey, look, Sens fans, we probably don't love Kadri as much as you do, but I will admit he is the – typical example of a guy you hate to play against but if he's on your team you absolutely love him like imagine Kadri playing with Brady Kachuk oh my god that would have been unreal yeah and I just I guess from what I've uh, I've read about Ridley Greg he's that type of player so you know maybe in a few years we'll have that Kadri type of player on the on the sense so exciting future for sure for our team yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, if Ridley Gregg can turn out anything uh, close to Nazem Kadri, that's a pretty good draft pick by the Sens, especially late in the first round. So I want to ask you, you know the drill. Every time we got to ask our Sens Central's uh, citizens, how did you become a Sens fan? When did it start and uh, what draw drew you into this team and what kept you here? Yeah, that's a good question. So I actually, so I didn't get into hockey until I was about maybe eight years old. Um, I actually liked the Wings at the time. You know, they were that up-and-coming team, and the Fedorovs, the Isermans, and then there's that big year where they got Chelios and, uh, and Shanahan, and they got Hull and Hasek. And like so right I around 02, you're talking, right? Yeah, exactly. So I yeah. think by that time, I was around 11 or 12. Um, and then, so they won the Cup that year. I think the following year, my, my dad took me to a Sens uh, Wings game, and Ottawa pounded them. I think it was like 5-2 or 5-3, and I think that was the – the moment I realized, yeah, I should be cheering for my hometown team. So uh, I switched around that time and uh, been a diehard fan since. Were you able to get to lots of games growing up or how close were you able to follow the team? <clears throat> yeah, we followed them pretty closely. My brother and I were diehard fans. I mean, we had posters in our room. We'd follow everything. And obviously when Twitter came around, it made life even easier. We could follow the team literally minute by minute. Um, but yeah, we used to go to at least two, two games a year or so. Uh, and then my dad worked for a company that actually had a box, uh, at the game. So we'd go pretty frequently, you know, get the, the full dinner and all. And, um, yeah, so about three to four games a year. And then obviously in my adult years, uh, you, we'd buy a couple of tickets a year. So, uh, yeah, definitely fun to go to the games. I know you guys are both, both of you are in Toronto. I'm in, I'm in downtown Toronto. Pilsy's yeah. up in Collingwood. Yeah, so I don't know how much you guys get an opportunity to see them live, but uh, obviously tons of fun. Yeah, yeah. Usually we try to get out for one game. I mean, we, we working for Belleville, we got to see a lot of the Belleville Senators, but not so sure I'm going to make the trip from Collingwood to Belleville uh, a couple <laughs> times a week these days, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to ask, you mentioned that you had some posters up on your wall. I'm assuming one was Alfie, but beyond that, who were some of the other players that really caught your attention early on in your fandom? Yeah, I was always a big Marion Hossa fan. That was my guy. Um, I was actually traveling uh, when he got traded, when he got that three-year deal and then got flipped for Denny Heatley. So I remember uh, calling my dad, who was, uh, who was at home. Yeah, he had told me, I got good news and I got bad news. I was like, okay, what? And he told me that the good news was Hosa signed. The bad news was they flipped <laughs> him shortly afterwards for Danny Heatley. So at the moment, it was pretty devastated. But uh, you know, obviously, excitement started to kick in when we started to see Heatley 
um, you know, play and, and obviously put up a few 50, 50 goal years. That was, uh, that was pretty nice to watch for sure. So, uh, still followed Hosta throughout his career. Obviously very happy for him to win, uh, you know, with Chicago and you know, I had to see him, uh, fail a few times with a couple of teams there before he got there. But, uh, nonetheless, a big Hosta fan growing up. Yeah. And you mentioned I'm in downtown Toronto. I'm like two blocks from the hockey hall of fame and his big poster now right out front as he's going to be inducted in the next class. The first true Ottawa Senator, the first yeah. Sens draft pick, but I'm not really counting that half a season of Hasek. So the first Senator to wear the Jersey <laughs> in the hall of fame. And you love to see that. I, I want to get your take on some of the current, and I mean more so future senators. Who's a guy who you're kind of betting the bank on like, this is a guy who you build your team around. Is it the Shabbats, the Kachuk, or is it one of those younger kids you think is going to excel and even further what the two that are already here have done? Yeah, so I love Brady. Uh, obviously, at the time he was drafted, it was pretty controversial, uh, but uh, he's proven to be a great team player um, you know, a lot of potential, heart and soul guy. Obviously, I love Shabbat, but for me, it's got to be Timmy Stutzla. Um, you, know, uh, you know, watching him during, during quarantine, watching his highlights, couldn't help but to get excited. And then the fact that we land him at third overall was, was extremely exciting. And that's one player I think you, you build your team around, uh, someone who can drive the play and, and create excitement amongst uh, not just the team, but the fan base. So uh, definitely a guy that, uh, that I'm excited to watch uh, here in the next 10 plus years with the organization. Yeah, I think that's got to be the best part of Timmy Stutzla's game is the excitement. Like when the puck gets on his stick, that's when you do the lean forward in your chair and you really oh, watch what's going to happen there. So now my next question for you, and this is something I think we're going to start asking uh, Send Central Citizens moving forward here. If you were DJ Smith, if you're in his shoes, what are some changes you would make to the lineup after what you've seen in the first four games? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I saw a few tweets about it last night come amongst the, the Twitter, the Sense Twitter fan base. So, um, you know, obviously getting the youth in there. I did see something about Artem Zub, uh, some sort of uh, loophole where you need to put someone on, on the taxi squad in order to get him in there. So um, that may be a little bit tough to move around, but I'd like to see him uh, get into the lineup. You know, we don't know what he brings really to the North American game. So having him in the lineup would be nice to see, obviously, Timmy Stutzla. I like what I've seen so far from Galchenyuk. I actually felt that he was going to have a big year this year. It was pretty upset to see that he was on the bench for the first few games of the year. But I thought in his short time playing, I thought he had a, he created a lot of opportunities, a lot of scoring chances. Uh, and I'd like to see him in the lineup for a little bit more of a consistent period. Um, but I think, you know, that third line is terrific, you know, with Nick Paul, Tierney and, and Connor Brown has looked good. Um, uh, but yeah, essentially, I think just getting some of those bodies into the lineup consistently is is huge. I think Matt Murray needs a break as well. Maybe pull him out of the game completely. Maybe watch from above. Have a, a Hogberg and uh, and Joey Decord tandem for one game. Um, some minor things like that just to give them a different perspective. Yeah, I like that move there. What do you think of the end of game situation? And I'll go back to the the game against Winnipeg where they're up late, and yet it was the vets that decided to get out there. Would you put the kids in that situation yet? Yeah, would you have Batherson, Kachuk, and Norris out there defending a lead in the last two minutes? You know what? Um, you know, we we want to make some strides this year, but I think this is really, this is a year you need to see what you've got. And I think this is an opportunity to throw those guys out there. This is a year to develop them. Give Josh Norris that opportunity. Give Kachuk that opportunity, Batherson. Um, you know, obviously the fan base was in an uproar. Um, I haven't been that disappointed in the loss in, in quite some time. Obviously, expectations are a little bit higher this year of our team. Um, but I would have definitely put that line out there, give them a, a shot early in the season when, you know, at the end of the day, I know every game counts, but um, 
you know, earlier on the season, a little bit easier to, to take those types of risks than later on in the year. So final question for me then, Bilal, who is going to lead this team in scoring at the end of the season? Is it going to be one of the kids or one of the vets coming through with, uh, with the final stat sheet? At this point, it looks like it's going to be Nikita Zaitsev, eh, guys? <laughs> Let's do it. Norris season on yeah, deck. Yeah, Zaitsev after, for Norris. Yeah. After yeah. we had him 64th on our organizational rankings. I saw last, that, yeah. And he just you know what? dummies us. He's been, he's been impressive so far. His two-way game has been pretty solid. You know, knock on wood that that continues. But I think it's, it's Thomas Shabbat for me. Um, you know, he's nice. the anchor That's of the power play. Um, yeah, I, I mean, historically, the Sens over the last decade has been a defense Thanks, um, Carl. Point, uh, yeah, exactly. Point <laughs> getting team. So um, I think that'll continue. Uh, you know, Brady Kachuk is a great, solid power forward. But I think the points really are going to be driven by Shabbat in the back end. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Nikita Zaitsev, though. He's bridging the gap between analytics and eye test now because it was always <laughs> the two of them both were like, what is this guy? But now, I mean, the numbers are backing up how well Nikita Zaitsev is playing. Final, final question. Is he going to keep it up all year? Will Nikita Zaitsev be a plus player at the end of this season? You guys will have to keep up. You'll have to take a look at the pool and see if I pick him up or something like that. <laughs> I think that'll be your answer there. No, I don't, I don't think it's sustainable. Um, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see that, but I, I just don't think that's realistic, especially, you know, with DJ flipping him and, and good Branson, it looks like, you know, some games since he gets some reps with Shabbat and others, he gets with Riley. Um, but it seems like him and Riley have gelled well. I took a look at some of the analytics recently. I think they were off the charts, him and, and Riley together. So, um, you know, I think if they can, you know, push, put him a little bit lower in the, uh, in the defenseman, uh, like in the top four. Um, you know, I think he can sustain a little bit, but uh, I don't expect that to continue for, for a long period with Zaitsev. Well, good news is it probably will now because Zaitsev clearly listens to the show. He put our foot in our mouth after we ranked him as low as we did, and now he's going to do the same to you. So Norris season on deck for Nikita Zaitsev. Bilal, it's been great chatting with you. Everyone go follow him on Twitter, at Kadri Sends, and we'll do this again down the road, Bilal. Thanks a lot for taking the time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Enjoyed it. Stick taps to Bilal for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Kadri Sens. Now, Pilsy, before we get to a few final notes, let's wrap up this trade. So it's Pierre-Luc Dubois to Winnipeg with a third-round pick in 2022 in exchange. Patrick Laine with 26% salary retained. He, remember, only has this one year left on his contract. He's an RFA after, but that 26% equals the difference between their salary. So the cap hit remains the same for both teams between Dubois and Liney, Jack Roslevic, who never will play again for the Jets, said that before the season. He was holding out. He gets a new contract. He is a part of this trade to his hometown, Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's look at it quickly from a sense perspective. What would the equivalent of this trade have been for Pierre Dorian? And are you happy the Sens bowed out with this being the ultimate price? I mean, this is a pretty good deal all around. Like, let's be honest. Like, you traded a disgruntled, very disgruntled Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Jets traded a very disgruntled Jack Rosovic and even Patrick Laine, I would say, was not on good terms with the Jets. So overall, from a hockey standpoint, this is a really solid deal and I think it makes a lot of sense for both sides. Like Columbus, 
I, I think they're one of those teams where, and we saw the effects, they're not going to be a superstar-driven team, right? When they had Bobrovsky and Panarin and then they added Duchesne, the superstars didn't get it done for them. They play a much better game when they have a full-rounded roster and all the guys on that team are hungry and they can roll four lines. I think that's what John Tortorella likes. That's what he's good at. He's good at getting everyone to get together and kind of pull, pull the rope the same direction. So... But the real question is, can you get Patrick Liney to buy into his system, which I'm not sure he's going to be able to. But Patrick Liney has shown big improvements over the last year of not just being a ghost offensively sometimes. He can get involved in the play in other ways. And he's also started to rack up more assists lately. So who knows? Maybe it works, but I'm not, I'm not too optimistic for, for that relationship happening. The Sens equivalent, I don't know. Like we don't, we don't really have anyone that's similar to Patrick Line. Like, man, it'd be like Brady Kachuk. But Brady Kachuk brings a much different game and has a much different relationship, I would say, with the culture and the the overall uh, organization that Patrick Line has. So maybe it'd be similar. But if I'm the Sens, I'm not throwing Brady Kachuk in in that deal for Pierre. Zero. That's for sure. Zero percent. So yeah, good on Pierre Dorian to bow out. Darren Dreger reporting more than 20 teams showed interest in Pierre-Luc Dubois because 22-year-old number one center just don't grow on trees. So I'm really intrigued to see how it'll play out with Pierre-Luc Dubois. He got his wish. He's out of Columbus. A bigger stage, however, well, um, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's a Canadian market. I don't know if Winnipeg is the prime destination for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Maybe going a little too far down the road, but I'd be surprised if he's not a Montreal Canadian at some point in his career. It seems like all roads for Pierre-Luc Dubois lead there. That's what I would bet on. But now let's get to what Pillsy would bet on because we mentioned he completely mushed himself in the parlay of the day yesterday. But every day is a new opportunity. And now we need to know, Pillsy, who are you going with tonight? And I'm curious if, if listeners of the show are going to ride with you or if they're going to fade you and try to go the other way. Honestly, I would not be offended at all if people started to fade me. And I was uh, the going for the guarantee was a mistake. I think that was the hockey god smiting me. You peer pressured me into it, Ross. You really, you really made me uh, go for it. I should have, I should have thought about that one. The guarantee. Well, I was watching that Buffalo game, and of course they're in shootout, and of course they lose by one. So I was like, okay, well, it's gonna follow the classic Pillsy's parlay of the day formula. One team loses by one in overtime or shootout, then the other team wins. Yeah, the Dallas Stars looked a lot better than I thought they would. And UC Soros was, was not my friend in that game. 7 nothing. That is, that's one way to start a season for the Dallas Stars. But look, it's a new day. We're getting back into it. Pillsy's parlay of the day. We can't lose now so many times, and especially after the guarantee flop. So I'm going with Tampa Bay Moneyline up against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We talked about the psyche of the Jets with this trade. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets are way too distracted by all this. Nobody cares about any of the other players on that team. Let's be honest. The whole story is Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I think that's going to really distract them. And that's an afternoon game where I see the Tampa Bay Lightning really jumping on them. So Tampa Bay Lightning money line at minus 158. Then we're heading over to Philly and Boston Bruins. It was a close game last one, a 5-4 game against these two. I'm picking Philadelphia Flyers. The Boston Bruins have not had a lot of luck scoring goals, whereas the Flyers, they've been able to put a lot of pucks in the back of the net. I'm taking their money line at plus 133. So combine Tampa Bay money line and Philadelphia money line, put that into a parlay. You bet 10 bucks, you're going to win 28. So that's Pillsy's parlay of the day. Let's go.
All right. Well, now the pressure's on me to edit quickly because you got an afternoon game. It's 11 a.m. right now. So before we go, though, a couple closing notes and a, a situation that will be ongoing, but I do believe it will be resolved. The AHL schedule was released yesterday. However, the Canadian division with Manitoba, Laval, Toronto, and Belleville have not been announced. It will be at a further date. They're working with local health authorities. Follow at footy on the air, our boy David Foote. He's all over this story. And when there is a schedule that comes out, we will take that live. And we don't know whether they're playing in Belleville or they're playing in Ottawa, right? This is all still up in the air to be decided. They're doing it with the utmost precaution. However, we got to get the franchise back on the ice, among others. These kids need to play, and I hope that they get a safe but reasonable opportunity to do so yeah that's that's everyone's goal right this the safety is the first component let's not kid around here uh some things are more important than hockey and keeping everyone safe and uh, stopping the spread of covid is a massive massive part of today's society so we got to focus on that but it's so important for this organization this franchise to have belleville playing this season pierre dorian has said it on almost every interview leading up to this season that was one of the biggest losses of having that season cut short is not getting those belleville guys like josh norris branstrom logan brown all those guys a championship run in the calder cup playoffs that would have been so detrimental and sure it's it's concerning that the Canadian teams don't have a schedule figured out but I don't see like if the government is approving the NHL in the same arenas with very similar schedules I don't see why they would not approve of the AHL and I think footy's mentioned this in his threads if you haven't checked them out like Ross said check them out at footy on the air but he's saying that there's a good chance that the Belleville Senators will start their season in the Canadian Tire Center, and then maybe as lockdowns get eased and uh, lifted a little more, then we'll see Belleville go back and uh, play at CA Arena. I really hope that day is sooner rather than later. So that's something that we'll keep our eye on. You know, as a goalie friendly show, we are all over the tendies in the Sens system. And Pilsy, it seems like every day we're talking about a different one having success. And this time it's Mads Sogard. Our boy Mad Sogard over in Denmark. And hey, the big Dane is standing tall, that's for sure. 4-2 win. He stopped 38 of 40 shots. He's got a .935 save percentage in 11 games played. That's courtesy of Sen's prospects. So you love to see him coming in hot whenever that WHL uh, gets announced and gets started. I think it's sometime in February. He's probably going to come back and play in medicine hat with the Tigers there. So it's good to get uh, some good stats, get, get some home cooking in Denmark, then come over and have another nice season in the dub. This is very important to get his confidence back after last season where it slipped a little bit. There's no doubt. But maybe he's seeing what Levi Marilinen keeps accomplishing. He's like, man, I got to one-up this. There is healthy internal competition deep in the Senators' goaltending system. And as a goalie-friendly show, we love to see that. No show tomorrow, but we will be back on Monday. Another busy week. I mentioned off the top, it's a seven-game road trip. So listen to this show. Have your nap. Put a pot of coffee on. 10 p.m. start tonight. And there's lots of late starts over the next couple weeks. So if you miss the game at night, just know that the next day you will have a Locked On Senators podcast waiting for you to break everything down. We're also looking to get a couple more guests next week, but with the season underway, it's more analysis over anything else. And subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Throw us a follow on Twitter as well, at Send Central. But for today, we say goodbye. Thanks to Bilal for joining us, our Send Central citizen. And we'll 
see you on Monday. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.